if you're going to do something, if you're going to go after really like a focused, narrow niche audience, you might as well go after the most valuable slice of your niche. From Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Steik, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. All right, welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Steik along with Luke Akery, and today... We're going to be talking about this term. I don't know that many of our listeners have heard before. I haven't heard about it till I learned about our guest today, this idea of becoming micro-famous. Yeah, micro-famous. Actually, what's interesting about this guest, we were just talking to them before, <laughs> and like you call it like the green room. We have lived very <laughs> similar bizarre, lives. Man. I was sharing that. He shared he was into music, was a musician. I was like, oh, that's what I was going to do. And from like 13 years old, I was a pastor's kid, homeschooled, 13 years old in like a Christian rock band all the way to college. And he goes, wow, same as me, pastor's kid, homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> so it it's pretty crazy. So I'm excited about this guest. Not only, you know, did we share similar journeys, but you're going to learn a lot today, especially on this topic of being micro-famous and what Absolutely. that means. Absolutely. And before we introduce our guest today. We would love it if you take a minute to subscribe to Stay Paid on Apple Podcasts. If you're not already subscribed and leave a review along with a comment to let us know how we're doing. You guys have been sending in reviews like crazy. Our audience has been sending you and I'm going to read. we appreciate it. I will always read them here on the show. This week's featured review comes from Amanda Michelle via Apple Podcast. She says, great podcast, five stars. I highly recommend the Stay Paid Podcast. Great informative content, which always leaves you feeling motivated. So thank you, Amanda Michelle, for sending that in. Our guest today is Matt Johnson. He is a marketing agency founder, podcast, and as Luke alluded to, a musician. <laughs> Matt runs a podcast launch and production agency based in San Diego, an international team that helps business coaches, consultants, and thought leaders use done-for-you podcasting to attract an audience, build influence, and become micro-famous. He's the author of Micro-Famous and currently hosts the Micro-Famous podcast, as well as being an event speaker to audiences around the US, Canada, and Australia. Matt, welcome to the podcast. What's going on, guys? Good to be with you. Yeah, Matt, it's awesome to be with you, man. And thank you for coming on the show. Love for you to just Tell us, like, who is Matt, right? And, and tell us kind of your journey, what got you into podcasting. I spoiled a little bit of it, you know, musician now turned agency, helping helping people share their message. But if you could share your story, kind of the 30,000 foot view, and then let's dive mm -hmm. into this topic of micro famous. Okay. So I would say most of your audience might know me from the show that I started that was my first podcast, Real Estate Uncensored. We actually had you on, on as a guest back in 2017, which is where you and I originally connected. Um, I got that because I was working at an agency that did like the video and email marketing for some of the top agents around the country. And I got the chance to start doing uh, live webinars, some of the top real estate agents and, and coaches specifically. So I've done, <clears throat> I got a chance to do like live webinars with Matthew Ferry. Michael Hellickson, uh, Greg Harrelson, Joshua Smith from GSD, a whole bunch of people that, that those folks in the real estate space would know. And it was one of those uh, folks that I was doing live webinars with that called me up one day and just said, hey man, we should start a podcast. And that became Real Estate Uncensored. So that was five years ago. Today, the show has like a million and a half downloads and uh, pretty much pretty consistently makes all the top, you know, top 10, 15, 20, yeah, whatever. It is a great show, usually guys. On there. Go check it out. It's a great uh, show. Yeah. Uh, and check out Luke's episode because it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I remember that distinctly, even though that was like three years ago. <laughs> but um, what that ended up leading to is I was going to get into like coaching and training agents. 
right? Um, I had a background running a real estate team. There were things that I liked. There were things that I hated, but I knew how to, I know, I know marketing, I know team building. And so I was going to get into like making products and training, training agents and stuff. And uh, what I kept getting asked to do was, hey, can you start a podcast from me so that I can train agents and other service and sales professionals and stuff like that? And I just kept getting pulled over in that direction. And uh, I realized at one point I was in like four different businesses. I was a partner in a couple of different coaching consulting companies, as well mm-hmm. as a company that wanted to be like the Netflix of real estate. Like I was in way too many things. And I was the one walking out of every meeting with a laundry list of stuff to do. So I mm-hmm. felt like I was pushing four different rocks up four different hills. I said, this has got to stop. I got uh, gave up my equity stake and all that other stuff. And I focused on the thing that I had the most control and ownership in, which is the agency. So uh, that allowed us to grow. Uh, and so now we serve people outside real estate. So real estate investing, mortgage, uh, financial services, and other types of really niche experts that want to promote their business online. Uh, we completely run their podcast done for you. Um, so that's kind of the short story of how I got from, from there to here. Mm. Now, how, um, like when you talk about like micro famous, cause I want to get into this mm. topic, right. And podcasting, we've had some people on the show uh, before that have, I think like James Carberry, I can't remember his episode. Maybe we can look that up, but he he does podcasting, has talked about podcasting before. And we've talked about this topic, but I'm curious, like your take, what is micro famous and kind of walk us through what that means and how does it apply to business? Why is it a good business principle? Okay. So in short, microfamous just means to be famously influential to the right people. So where, where I really want to push back against most of the conventional marketing advices that we get over the last 10 years or so, it's that you want to reach the maximum number of eyeballs with your content, mostly on social media. And then some percentage of that that attention is going to convert into sales. The problem is, is that that's there was maybe a sliver of time where that seemed to be true, but in, but historically that's never been true. Attention does not automatically equal sales, right? There's there's a couple of other steps involved that actually need to happen in order to produce sales. And it's like, we kind of forgot about that and said like, hey, whoever has the biggest Instagram following or the most podcast downloads must have the, the most amount of sales. And that's never been true. And it's still not true today. I found out the hard way running Real Estate Uncensored, which has a really wide mainstream audience in real estate, and then also co-hosting a super niche show in that space called the Team Building Podcast. Hmm. Now, the Team Building Podcast is only for team leaders and indie broker owners. And we were talking about stuff like how to raise your your online lead conversion percentage from like one and a half to 3%. <laughs> super compelling, <laughs> riveting dramas. Yeah, well, to to the right person who's spending five or ten grand a month on online lead gen is very compelling for them because exactly. that's a lot of money out of pocket. Exactly. The average agent doesn't have that problem though, so the average agent wasn't interested in that show and wasn't interested in that content. But what's funny is even though Real Estate Uncensored got ten or twenty times the downloads and all the accolades and all the social media attention, hmm. guess which podcast was easier to monetize? Mm-hmm. The one that had the small focused audience of people who had a super big valuable problem and had the money to solve it. So that was kind of like the first light bulb moment. And I started to notice other clients like that. And I started to kind of reverse engineer, well, what was it that made those, those podcasts much more easier to monetize? And then in general, like going backwards into their business, what made their business so much easier to monetize, right? Because it's not just about the podcast, it's about the business behind it. And so that led to 
the concepts of like the clear and compelling idea and the three stages of influence, all the stuff that ended up in the microfamous book really came from that one original insight of literally doing a completely accidental split test in podcasting and realizing that one was way easier to monetize than the other. And it was the exact opposite one of what everybody would have thought. Now, what was, what were you doing to monetize? Like what, what was the monetization strategy and why did it work on the smaller one and not the larger one? Okay. So, so we both were selling coaching training packaged in various ways. What Team Building Podcast did really well that worked was workshops for agents to come in. So people would fly in to Jeff Cohn's office, my co-host on that show, and they would pony up two grand is, is the cost when they first met. We ended up raising that to three grand. He used to have to do a whole bunch of sales, you know, messaging people, answering questions, all this personal touch. Now they have people come through the website, register, plunk their credit card down, get on a plane and fly to Omaha, Nebraska and show up at his office. And he's never talked to them. Wow. Nobody on his team has talked to them. Just bam. So like, it was a really visceral demonstration of like the power of influence. Like influence is that, is that missing link. And we can talk about more of that on a second, but yeah, we were doing workshops and then he started offering group coaching on the back of those workshops that worked really well. It was, it was a lot of the same things that other, you know, you can, you can structure your offers in a lot of ways, but it was basically group coaching and events. Uh, and it was some of the same things that I was offering on the back of real estate uncensored, but we were offering it to a much wider audience, a much more beginner audience and an audience that had a wide range of problems and no money to solve them, right? right? Not exactly a great audience to go after. And so what I realized from that is just, if you're going to do something, if you're going to go after really like a focused, narrow niche audience, you might as well go after the most valuable slice of your niche, mm. right? The ones that have a big valuable problem and they have got the money to solve it. And if you do that, it just, it prevents so many of the issues that we have. Like I, I, I know of people that have millions of podcast downloads that have had to hawk something to pay their rent. I know people that have hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers that can't get anybody to buy anything to save their life. Mm. And it, it saves you like going to the most valuable slice of the market and becoming micro famous to them first saves you from that heartache of building this audience and then twisting yourself into a pretzel, trying to figure out how in the world do I get them to buy something? And I think you'd be surprised how many people actually deal with that. There's such a valuable even sales principle there that um, I forget who it was, who I was listening to, but they were like, it takes me just as much time, energy, and effort to sell a, you know, or close like a $20 million deal as it does. That's who it was. It was Grant Cardone and in multifamily investing. He goes, it takes me just as much time, energy, and money to do a $20 million deal that it does to do, you know, a $200,000 deal. And it's that mm -hmm. idea of like, why not focus on where the money, you can actually make the most money. And I think it was Tom Hegna we had on the show that talked about the riches and the niches. Mm, yeah. It's the riches and niches. That's really yeah. what it is. Yeah. Well, how do you get in front of yeah. the right people? I mean, once you have identified the the topic that you want to cover, the niche that you want to, that you want to focus on, how are you finding the right people if it's such a smaller audience? Well, if you're running something, uh, some sort of platform, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a Facebook Live series, a YouTube channel or whatever, those people are surprisingly easy to get in front of if you have a way to bring them onto a platform and give them a, an opportunity to talk to your audience. So that, that part's actually the easy part, uh, getting in front of them, ha like having interesting conversations and that actually get them to like you and trust you and want to talk to you more, that that takes some skill. But we're kind of in this interesting environment where uh, for the most part, if you have a podcast and, and even in spaces that are super old fashioned and, and 
and really kind of look down on marketing like law and financial advisor and professional services and stuff, even they're starting to open up to where if I called up a financial advisor and said like, hey, we've got a podcast called The Entrepreneurial Financial Advisor. We'd love to feature you and interview you about your success. It's it's getting to the point now where it, you'll get nine out of 10 yeses. Mm. When I was first starting out five years ago, that was two out of 10. And like in, in spaces because they like were financial skeptical. services. They didn't know about it. They skeptical. were skeptical of it. Okay. Yeah. Podcasting hadn't made enough inroads. They were skeptical, just didn't know what it would benefit them. And so, yeah, getting to the getting to the influencers is not hard. Um, it's what do you do with the relationship afterwards? And this is why, like at the end of every single podcast, and if we have time, I'll do it to you guys too. I always ask, what 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 is that person that I can introduce you to that'll make the most impact in your business right now? Mm. And it's such a it's it's just a question that people don't think to ask, especially if you're kind of like a local service professional. You don't really think of yourself that way as like the networker connector that can you know connect all these influential people together. But you absolutely can. You know, every every local community has power centers and influential people. Once you start to get to know one of them, find somebody to introduce them to. And once you get to know five or 10, start looking for ways to introduce them to each other if they don't already know each other. And soon enough, you'll be the go-to person. You'll be the person that just introduces people consistently without even thinking about it. And you'd be, I mean, I've watched it happen with my own eyes. Just, I've watched people's jaws drop when I ask that question because nobody thinks to ask. And then you just follow, I mean, you do your best to follow through. You can't always follow through. Sometimes people will give me a description of somebody. I'm like, yeah, I don't know anybody like that. Oh, but I'll keep an eye out for you, but I don't know anybody right now. Um, but most of the time, like I, I keep a, um, so if you guys use Trello, if you know what it is, yeah. project management tool, uh, we run our entire agency on it. So I have a board that I call my relationship board and it has all of my top relationships, whether it's strategic referral partners, ideal clients, podcast hosts that I've been on, people that I've had on my podcast, whatever, all my top relationships. And on a regular basis, typically every one to two weeks, I'm sitting down and I'm looking at that relationship board asking, who did I just meet over the last couple of weeks that I can introduce to people that I already know? And that's something anybody can do, mm-hmm. but it does work really well like in conjunction with podcasting as a way to like push that relationship deeper. That's an incredible golden nugget right there. And the reason why I know that works too is my insurance guy, shout out to Keith Wilson. We actually had Keith way back in the beginning of the show. We had Keith on the show, uh, but uh, shout out to Keith Wilson. This guy, I mean, he, I mean, incredible insurance salesman, but you know how he gets to you? He's a connector. Like he literally introduces me to so many people. Like the other night, um, a lot of people won't know this on the show listening, but the guy who you know runs the Goddard schools and has ownership in there. And it's like introducing me like the, all these crazy people that you wouldn't even think, Keith, how do you know these people? Like, how are you connected? But that's how he naturally dripped on me, constantly mm-hmm. connecting me. And you know who yeah. else did it? Is my financial advisor. He, he just constantly would connect me. Like he connected me to an investment group. He connected me to some guys that want to do a deal within real estate. He's constantly connecting me. And naturally, guess what's happening? The, the brand, his brand is getting in front of me. And eventually my insurance is now with Keith. My, my finances are now with Matt because they've used the connections to get in front of me in a natural giving way, which made me trust them more and especially see the value in them. The other golden yeah. nugget that I want to point out to people that I think influences it from the standpoint of credibility and influence, I'm having a meeting tomorrow with some estate planning attorneys. They have a podcast. And one of the ways they have been kind of building trust, even with us, 
is through having the podcast. And I want to pick your brain on this idea of the local service professional having a podcast, but they have a podcast. I'm meeting with them tomorrow for the first time, but they have their own podcast and it does influence, especially for a guy like me. It's influenced me of thinking, oh, these guys are on top of it. They know what they they're, know doing. What they're, they're doing. They're, yeah. they're interviewing people. We hear this all the time with us is people think we're smarter than we are because <laughs> we happen to interview people. It's like, we don't know anything. It's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We are not I don't smarter know if I than go we that are. Far. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, talk to us a little <laughs> okay. bit about this idea of should a real estate agent or financial service professional small business have a podcast? Okay. I think in most cases, especially in real estate, the answer is no. Now, in other small businesses, I think you can, but the primary purpose of a podcast for let's say a financial advisor, a local service professional, insurance salesman, something like that, is going to end up being networking. Right, because the odds are of your of building an audience around that kind of content are low, especially long form conversations. Now, obviously, the general public wants some information from local service providers, but they tend to want it in two to three minute video chunks. Like that works really well, uh, or they want to just see it on Facebook Live and watch a couple minutes and then duck yep. out. So that works really well too. So, like my um, my co host on Real Estate Uncensored, Greg, lives up in the Bay Area, and he's he's done Facebook Lives for years. He got the mayor of his city on a Facebook Live with him. I mean, you'd be surprised what doors open up if you just show up. You say like, "Hey, look, I have a Facebook Live series that goes out to fifteen thousand people in my in my our local community. We'd love to feature you." So I think in most cases that works better. However, a podcast, what it does for you on the networking side is exactly what you mentioned. It gives you the chance to reach out to people and just start off that relationship with one really genuine, authentic conversation. And it's really hard uh, to get off on a better foot than that. I don't really know of any other circumstance outside of being able to like meet somebody for lunch and have that same conversation. It's just not recorded. That's really the only way you can emulate that or get anything close to that. You know, you meeting somebody at a networking event and shaking hands and exchanging business cards, that doesn't even come close to having a podcast conversation. So it does have value from that point of view. But I think where real estate agents specifically get get a little off course, is thinking that the general public is interested in all the nitty gritty of what they do. I don't think the general public is in all that interested in the nitty gritty of what we do. That's why they hire us. So, so if good. you think you're going to start a podcast for the general public around real estate to get into all the stuff about like the inspections and negotiations, think again, uh, because mm-hmm. that, uh, that there's, there's no clamor for that. And I'll give you an example. So the agency that I used to work for uh, that does all the video and email marketing for some of the top agents around the country, well, guess what? All of those videos are tend- turned into podcast episodes. The problem is nobody knows about it because the general public doesn't care. So each of their 500 clients in real estate has a real estate podcast, a locally focused real estate podcast on iTunes. Hmm. The problem is nobody knows because they're not looking for it. That's just not where the general public is going for information from agents. So podcasts work amazingly well for very you know specific things and for networking and stuff like that. But to build an audience around your content, if you're a local service provider, you're better off going Facebook Live or YouTube as opposed to a podcast. Do you want a larger presence on social media? Of course you do, because that's where your audience is. Check out Reminder Media's newest product, Branded Posts, specially designed to increase your presence on social media without increasing your effort. Choose from thousands of already written blog posts on topics your clients care about, like real estate, travel, and recipes. And the best part is, these are branded with your photo and contact information and ready to be shared. Plus, every two weeks, we'll send to your list of contacts a personally branded email 
newsletter filled with recipes, stories, and ideas that they will love to get. Visit ReminderMedia.com posts to see our newest digital product and start dominating your social media. That's ReminderMedia.com posts. Take action on this today. What about the idea of becoming like a local guide or becoming like the local DIY expert that can connect you to all the right people to help you accomplish what is that? Is there no space there, even at a local level, a small level, to be that person in your community that's got like the value of the podcast yeah. is the format, right? The value of the podcast is the fact that it can be automatically downloaded. I'm going to get market news, I'll get local updates. Right, I don't have to go to YouTube and find it myself, or subscribe to something, click on a, bu- a bell to get notified when something goes live. Play it in my car. Like, is there value from that perspective that you've seen, or is it really like it's it's too micro to have to be on that platform? Well, sadly, it doesn't seem to matter now. Now, in a lot of spaces, it does matter because people are looking for that. If they're looking for information, they they would love to get it delivered consistently. When it comes to the general public and real estate, they don't seem to to care that much. They want to go look for the things when they want them. So mm-hmm. they'll look for specific point. neighborhood information about real estate and they'll go, they'll go to YouTube or they'll go to Google search and they'll look for exactly what they want, exactly when they want it. Or when their mind is on real estate, they'll start searching for specific things like houses in very specific locations of town or the schools nearby or things like that. And you can catch them if you're search optimized, for example, right? But yeah, there's uh, we I haven't seen any evidence that the general public wants to get market updates, information from real estate agents of any kind on any sort of regular basis because they only care about real estate for about three months every seven years. Mm. The rest of the time they care about the community, sports, nonprofits, like all the things that agents can talk about, but they don't need that in a podcast form. They want it in social media form. So that's why I say like for the average agent, like a Facebook Live ends up being better. Man, I think you're so spot on. I don't want people to miss the golden nugget in there, which is... So much of what businesses are doing, if they're in insurance, finance, real estate, is they market to the consumer with just business information. And you're like, what you said is so powerful. They only care about real estate when they actually have a need or they are interested for the three months, like every seven years. That's such a powerful statement. This is what we, I mean, we built our company Reminder Media around this whole concept of, hey, how about you send stuff to your clients that is more just about their enjoyment, travel, art, yeah. food, you know, stuff that everybody is into that's more normal life. And then brand yourself so consciously and subconsciously, they constantly think yes. of you and you're in front of them. And then it's kind of that, you know, brand awareness, top of mind awareness. So I think you're yeah. spot on. And I think if more people, even when, even if they did a podcast, thought about it through the lens of how can I entertain this person uh, versus, you know, or talk about something that matters in their life versus just marketing my program, just marketing my, you know, transaction or whatever, they get a lot of more or a lot more traction. Yeah. Or, or, or if you're going to do a podcast, like as an agent or a local service pro, I would do a podcast about the local area potentially at, at best. And, and the most that I would expect from it is the relationships that come from the guests that I would interview. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even put any expectations on the audience and expecting to grow an audience through that podcast. I would use that as a purely as a networking tool. And that could be really valuable. You know, if you're a local service professional and you know who tends to send you referrals, go straight to them and start building that network up. I think where, where a lot of people get distracted and run off and try to get leads as opposed to building a relationship with like a, a small focused group of people is they don't really know when, when it comes down to getting referrals, they, 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 can't, they can't give the other person what they need to jog someone specific. 
And so there, there's a concept in the book, it's like chapter four, so it's pretty, pretty qu- close on, called the clear and compelling idea, which is you have to be able to explain to somebody what you do, what the purpose of the business is in one to two sentences. And if it's the right person listening, the response should be, holy cow, I didn't know that existed. Like, how, you, I, I, I got to learn more about that. Now, not everybody's going to react like that, but if it's your right person, they should go, holy cow. Now, if you're in real estate and you live in my hometown back in Omaha, Nebraska, what the, you know, 99% of agents you run into are going to go, yeah, you know, I, I help buyers and sellers and I, I'm also licensed in Iowa and I can also introduce you to like land and I can do a little bit of commercial. <laughs> and it's like, oh, for God's sake. It's like, great. So, all right, you get, you get dumped in the same bucket as Aunt Sally who sells real estate and had her license in, since 1977. Mm. So the way to avoid that happening and the way to actually get referrals is to be able to say, look, I, I help people that own a home in West O move into their next home where they want to probably spend, like send their kids to junior and high school. Like they want that next home that they're going to spend most of the next seven years in. And, that, and they already own a home in West Omaha. And I help them move a little bit further out West into one of the newer developments where they can get a bigger, nicer house, get an extra bedroom and send their kids to nice schools. Mm. Like that, that level of specificity is what gets people thinking about who they know that could refer you. And that goes all the way up to my, my own agency, right? My clear and compelling idea when I first started the agency was if you're a coach, consultant, expert, whatever, you, we can help you launch a podcast where you literally do nothing but show up and on Zoom and hit record and talk. And that was the response I got. They're like, holy cow, seriously? Like, I don't have to do any of the stuff. I don't have to do the writing. I don't have to hire anybody. I don't have to do it. I'm like, no, we just we do we do everything? And they're like, all right, we need to have another conversation. And so if you have that down, if you have that clear and compelling idea dialed in and refined, referrals will come a lot easier. And then it makes sense to build that relationship of 25 to 50 referral partners. Because when you tell them what you do, it makes an impact and they can actually think of specific people. Um, How do you help people that maybe have multiple avenues that they help people in, multiple categories to create a clear and compelling idea? Do you guys have like a framework that you walk people through or is there... We we do. And, and just to clarify, when you say multiple lines, are you talking about the fact that they can serve a little bit different types of clients? Maybe yeah. Have so a maybe you're a real estate agent and you work in luxury, but you also don't want to, you know, you also work with, you know, first time home buyers. Right. So like, how do you, are you telling the real estate agent, Hey, you should narrow down to one of those clear, compelling ideas and you'll get, is that your advice? Or would you say you can develop a clear and compelling idea for both? Like that's, that's the problem. I think really good question. And and that may be a little, I'm going to answer very specifically for real estate because you gave that example of like luxury versus everything else. It's really hard to be gray goose vodka and whatever the opposite, like the house vodka, right? It's really hard to do both of those things. It's hard to be a premium brand for luxury and be for everyone. So Mm -hmm. that's a really tough one. Uh, I would say you really have to have a clear and compelling idea for each one and focus preferably on one of them. And I personally would go luxury. I mean, that's what I'm telling every agent right now is run to the high ground and serve the affluent. But look, if you're going to do both, you have to find the common ground between what you do for the luxury homeowner that wants to sell and the average person that wants to sell. Hmm. So I'll give you an example. So Dan, Dan Beers here in San Diego, he's one of the dominant agents in San Diego County. They have a five-day 
five-day blitz is what he calls it. So it doesn't matter what house they list or how expensive your property is. They're going to do the the same five-day blitz marketing campaign. They're pounding the phones. They got postcards. They're doing this. Like What they've done is their clear and compelling idea is we have a system for getting your home sold. They don't tell you whether it's for luxury or not. That's, that's irrelevant. We have a system. That's their clear and compelling idea. So when they go to the market and they go to a listing presentation, doesn't matter if it's a $700,000 house or a $5 million house, the, the pitch is the same hmm. because we have a system that gets homes sold. So you can do both, but you got to find what that is. You got to find what that clear and compelling idea is that resonates with both the luxury homeowner and the average person. And that goes for any service that you're selling. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. What else will uh, people learn from Micro Famous? What kind of what what other what other <laughs> what are some of the major takeaways that you want people to get from from this book? What? Okay. Here here's here's one of them. So, uh, and I just wrote up an email. I'm doing a podcast episode that drops this week on this, which is I think that our mentality is completely wrong. We have decided collectively somehow that marketing equals social media. Mm. somebody asked me the other day, like, Hey, what's your Instagram handle? I'm like, I'm never there. Like you, <laughs> I, I have, it, I have it reserved so that somebody doesn't steal micro famous on Instagram, but I'm not there. And they're like, well, but you're in marketing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, that's why I'm not there. Cause I'm compute. in marketing. I know what the F I'm doing. So oh. I'm not wasting my time there. <laughs> so it's, it's just a symptom of the fact that marketing and, and social media have become synonymous, right? If you're not, if you're doing marketing, you must be doing social media. It's like, no, I don't really spend a lot of time there. Because all of my marketing is based around podcasting. It's based around getting interviewed on other shows, hosting a show myself. And then when people get into my world, I've got you know three to six months worth of emails that are going out to them, mm. depending on well, how they came in and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm nurturing them that way. I don't need to be on social media all the time. Right, I'm reaching new people through podcasts. I'm bringing new people in and indoctrinating them into my belief system through my show, and through the emails that they get. What about advertising on social media? What's that? What about advertising on social media? Different thing. I I think if you're if you're an introvert like me, it's it's the perfect next step. So so micro famous is getting that that foundation laid. Uh, and to me, it's like the perfect marketing system for any sort of introverted expert. So if you're on the introverted side, like I am, and you don't want to be all, all over networking, you don't want to be on social media. Thank you. Yep. So the introverts in the house, uh, it's, it, look, I mean, all, all the Gary V advice in the world will do you no good because the bottom line is it will burn you out. Mm. If, if you're on the introverted side, it, there's just no way around it. Like being social drains your energy. You can do it to an extent and you can do it on a good day and you can do it for a little while, but you can't do it every day relentlessly, eight to 10 hours a day like Gary Vee is doing it. And so the advice that is out there right now is kind of geared from extroverts to other extroverts. Like, hey, do more, 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 more. Post more content, more places, more often. And I think there's a lot of agents, you know, insurance agents, financial advisors going, look, I can't, I, I don't know what else to do, but I can't do that. So I guess I'll just keep following Gary Vee and trying. And my mentality is, uh, it's because we've just, we bought into that that lie that social media now equals marketing. And if you're not doing social media, you're, you're not marketing. That stuff's only been around for 14 years. Mm. Um, there's plenty of other things. And podcasting to me is, is uh, much better as the, like the centerpiece, like the focal point of your marketing, like putting podcasting first and then social media to the end actually makes marketing sustainable and fun uh, for introverts. Man, that's awesome. You know, what I love is that like the core of every business is the relationships. And what I love mm-hmm. about what you're, you're practicing and preaching is you really are doubling down on this concept of, you know, what your clear and compelling idea is, you know, where your audience is that you want to reach. 
And that's where you're going and that's where you're focusing and you're trying to build relationships yeah. in that space. And if you think from a marketing yeah. perspective, whether it's social media, billboards, print advertising, podcasting, it's like, where's your audience? Like, how do you double down on knowing what your target audience is? How do you know what you're trying to get across to them and try to get there based upon where your audience is? And then adding that framework of where are you at? Like, where are you going to thrive? I don't think a lot mm -hmm. of people talk about yeah. that. I think you're right. The burnout point. happens because yeah. not everybody's going to thrive being on the phones all day. And you can build a business not doing cold calling, even though I'm a huge proponent of, hey, cold calling still works, but you can still build a it business without, work. you know, without cold calling. So I think that's amazing, man. So I got to ask you, you know, just as we're wrapping up here, we try to ask everybody that comes on the show, you know, you've been successful in your life, still are successful you know, what are the routines that you have implemented or still implement in your life that has driven success for you? You said routines? Yeah. Okay. I'm a huge fan of routines. There's a great book called The Power of Full Engagement, which made a huge impact on me when I read it like 10 years ago. And that's really driven all, all of like just the search for routines and systems in my life. I would say the biggest change that's been the most beneficial was understanding my rhythms better. And so I don't schedule any calls afternoon for the most part anymore. You guys are an exception. This is my last call of the day, right? We made it. So I'll get it done. I finish up at one. I'm going to work out. And then any work I do after that is optional. Hmm. So my goal is to maximize seven to noon every day, probably you know six days a week. I'll, I'll work in the mornings. Weekends are more relaxed. I'm more for strategic thinking and long-term projects and stuff like that. So the best thing I ever did was, was realize and recognize that I don't have eight hours of calls in me and, and appointments and stuff a day. Uh, it burns me out. And, uh, and I can get everything in the business done that I need to in less than 20 hours a week. I mean, realistically, I run the operations of the agency in less than four hours a week. Hmm. The, the rest of the stuff is optional and building things for the future and writing the book and stuff like that. So I think the routines, like those sorts of routines, getting those dialed in have made a huge difference. And it really just, here's the overall point that it drove home for me. I didn't need to change. I could change the systems around me and I could be who I am, whether that's an introvert, energy levels, all that stuff. I can be who I, I am that. and I could surround myself with different and better systems and I can still get all the business results that I want. So when I see all the motivational stuff out there that says like, you've got to change, you've got, you've got to, you've got to have like all, you've got to motivate, you've got to get all your mind right. You've got to, like, you've got to hundred percent believe that you're going to get the, de the destination. Otherwise you won't be successful. I'm like, I'm living proof that none of that is true. <laughs> I am the least likely person to ever be an entrepreneur. I am the least likely person to run a very successful company. Um, you know, like I, I, I was in my basement practicing music growing up. I, I, got, I, was, I never had any plans. I didn't know anybody who went to college. I didn't know anybody who owned a business. I, there was, I was just the least likely person to ever do that. Um, I got to the point where I can do it and run it effectively and run it smoothly and, and continue to grow it. Because I didn't buy into that, I had to change that I had to be a different person. I, I bought into, no, build better systems around me so that I can be myself and still get the goals that I want to hit. What an incredible perspective. No, I really like that perspective yeah. because I think so. I think, I think the idea of being told to change works for some people. I think some people need that. It does. I think they need that drive, but it's proof that it's not the only way. There are multiple paths. And I think the, the ability to build the systems and know yourself well enough, you need the same amount of discipline to build those systems as you need to be able to change your habits or change yep. yourself. But it's not yep. one way that solves yep. everything. No, I think that's so powerful. All right. What advice would you go back and tell younger Matt, that kid in high school? What advice would you give him? 
<laughs> uh, okay. Well, little, little known to me, uh, when I was in my early 20s getting into real estate, so was my now client, Jeff Cohn, who runs the number one team in the state. So he and I both got into real estate at the same time. I did what everybody else did. I got my license and I went to work for a broker and I, I immediately realized that they didn't know what the F they were talking about. And <laughs> I started doing like trying to figure out it on, on my own. I bought a coaching program. What he did was very interesting. He went to like 30 of the top agents in Omaha and just called them up and said, Hey, can I take you out to lunch? I'll buy. I just want to, I'm, I'm new. I'm, you know, I'm just getting into the business. I want to learn what it takes to be successful. And, uh, you know, obviously 20 or so of those agents took him up on it, had some great conversations and, and hit the ground running and did really well. And uh, I, I think if I could go back and tell my 20-year-old self anything, it's that really ultra successful people are actually the ones that are the most likely to say yes to that. Mm. And if I would have known that, I would have done something like that earlier and I would have gotten around ultra successful people a lot earlier because getting around them and seeing how success actually works up close was the only way I... I, I could actually learn it. I learned by imitation, by being up close to it. And I, th- I wish I would have gotten around ultra successful people a lot sooner. Love that. That's great advice. Yeah. That's why Luke hangs out with me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get him away Exactly. From we're all just, we're all just hanging on. Josh, hanging Josh is that one of your dad jokes? Or? <laughs> That's one of my dad jokes. <laughs> nah, Matt, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Awesome, Thanks so much man. for sharing all of that. Before Thanks, we close man. out, let people know how they can get your book, how they can find your podcast, connect with you. Well, the book's on Amazon. That's the best place to go. And uh, then for me, just get microfamous.com. That has all the links to everything, like the podcast and uh, and all the, the fast track course, which has all my tools and templates in it for getting featured and interviewed on podcasts. So all that stuff is at getmicrofamous.com. And then you can also just find me on Facebook. Just type in Get Microfamous. Awesome. Love it. Well, thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for listening. To get all of those links and the resources that we mentioned on this episode, go to staypaidpodcast.com. You can get all of the show notes there as well. If you're looking for ways to support the show, there's two ways that we ask for that. One is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The other is to tell a friend about the podcast. You can get hold of me or Luke at hello. (laughs) Josh is like, oh man. So I got to admit something. I updated my Evernote. And it the way that it prints out the show notes, it cut off the end. If anyone's updated their Evernote recently, <laughs> the new update sucks. So thank you, Evernote. You can actually get hold of us at podcast at remindermedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke Akery. What a great episode, Matt. I really have to thank you for coming on, man. I'm inspired, seriously, after listening to you just talk and just the confidence you have in, in the belief system of getting clean, like you are totally clear on your life and your vision and how you're running the company. And that was really inspirational. I would encourage people to go back and listen to it just from all the guests we've had and just having it, hey, I don't have to go do the hustle and grind. Mm. I don't have to go do the Gary V. That was really, really powerful. And I appreciate you sharing that. Here's the action item. I hope people caught this golden nugget because I think you should apply it right away. List out. Maybe you don't have a Trello board. Maybe it's a whiteboard. Maybe it's a piece of paper. List out the key relationships that you have in your life and then do what Matt said. Who have you met over the last two weeks to a month that you could introduce to these key relationships? What a powerful action item that you can implement in your business tomorrow to start being a connector and a value add to all your key relationships. Remember this, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in every single industry Josh and I have worked in is top producers take action. Take action on that today. 